on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. your tolerance but lecture me is there no end to your own hypocrisy your god is power you have no shame your only interest is political gain you hide your eyes and refuse to listen you play your game coming up next america can we talk with your host debbie georgiatos And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our Thursday show. I think I say the same thing every week. I love the Thursday show. I love we have one special guest. We have an in-depth conversation. We have a very enthusiastic studio audience. Just a chance to really dive in on many of the issues facing America. So today, our guest in studio is Dr. Excuse me. Are you a doctor? No, sorry. Lieutenant I'm Colonel. Doctor of death. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Let me restart that. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. And he uh, has been on the show numerous times. We were talking before the show about how many times over the years when the show was on Salem Radio and here he's been here many times. And I always appreciate having him. And I do try to make a little bit different introduction every time uh, for those of you who have, don't know him or even if you do. I want to share us a little bit about him. He is currently the executive director of an organization, ACRU, American Constitutional Rights Union, uh, which is a great organization, a thoughtful organization. Uh, he's also so the former chairman of the Texas GOP. Um, he's a retired Army Lieutenant Colonel and author. And I want to tell you the names, the full names of the three books he's written. One is Guardian of the Republic. I love that name. Uh, An American Ronin's Journey to Family, Faith, and Freedom. Number two, Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death. And number three, We Can Overcome an American Black Conservative Manifesto. He is, as I mentioned, he is a retired uh, Army Lieutenant Colonel. Um, he served our country in combat. He's won many, many awards for his service and, and uh, what he's done in the military. He also uh, was elected to the United States Congress from Florida in November of 2010, and he served Florida's uh, 22nd Congressional District, uh, which is a great thing. He was there uh, representing Floridians and conservatives. Um, and then in 2020, here in the great state of Texas, he was elected chairman of the Republican Party of Texas by an overwhelming majority of state delegates, uh, I one of which I was whom, as my dad would say. I was one of the ones that really advocated for him. And he really brought to the leadership of the Texas GOP more than just the perfunctory, raise money, go to meetings, rub elbows, but he really took on the role of trying to define what the Republican Party means today in America, today in Texas, what it stands for, and to bring that message outside of the usual Republican donor circles to the everyday citizens around Texas who needed to know more and more why what the Republican Party stands for is really what the values and principles we need uh, to move Texas forward. Currently, he is the host of a podcast, Steadfast and Loyal, Steadfast and Loyal, which is how he often signs off on um, other on emails and such. He's also the um, author of Steadfast and Loyal Substack, and his Substack is alanwest.substack.com. And he's just a, a great writer, a great explainer on a broad range of issues, military and cultural and political and just all sorts of issues. So we have a very wide ranging discussion today. Uh, and I'm looking forward to doing that. Now, please help me welcome Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I want to start. I do have a bunch of topics, and I think I say this every time. I have more topics than time, but I want to start with January 6th. Mm -hmm. So on January 6th, as everyone knows, 2021, there was a protest a political protest. Mm -hmm. What arose out of that afterward was a determination by some to label it as an insurrection, which I do not believe it was, but also resulted in both the uh, Department of Justice bringing charges against many Americans who did nothing more than kind of stand around yeah. on public property on Capitol grounds um, and resulted in very violent arrests, uh, conduct by the FBI 
directed at American citizens. And people I've had in my show recently, one is a Texas couple, uh, Jaleese and Mark Middleton. They are farmers, are not even political people. Mm -hmm. They weren't until then. They went there that day. They never tried to enter the Capitol. They stood there on the grounds, and they are facing, well, they're going to trial in August, and they're facing 20 years in prison. Mm -hmm. You've written a bit about that, and I could dive into what you've written, but just overall tell me, how dangerous does that strike you, that the FBI and DOJ seem to be weaponized, seem to be no longer doing their duty as law enforcement agencies? Well, first and foremost, uh, when you talk about an insurrection, if that be the case, that was the most poorly planned and executed insurrection I've ever seen in my life. As a matter of fact, the only person that was shot and killed was uh, an unarmed woman. Uh, and so when you look at the left has been able to do, it is evident that there's a two-tiered system of justice here in the United States of America because you continue to have violence from Antifa, Black Lives Matter, Jane's Revenge, going out after uh, churches and vandalizing churches and firebombing pro-life advocacy centers, but you can't find them. Uh, they continue to do all of these different things. They can go down and attack a police training facility, a uh, construction site in Atlanta. Nothing happens. They get bailed out. So what the left has done is created what I call the East German Stasi state here in the United States of America. And the FBI has become the new Stasi state police. And when you listen to those whistleblowers from the FBI in that hearing last week, it just sent a chill down everyone's spine that the FBI is no longer that, uh, remember the show with Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. we all used to watch sure on do. ABC or Sunday night. That's not the same FBI. This is a politicized organization that is going after uh, the enemies of this ideological agenda that we see out there. Absolutely true. You mentioned the uh, testimony of the FBI whistleblowers. I don't know if everyone here or everyone listening, can you just quickly summarize what they're trying to describe as happening inside the FBI? What is happening inside the FBI is that the, the, the whole weight of one of the most powerful law enforcement agencies in the world is not being used for law enforcement, it's being used to go after political opposition. When the FBI is going out after parents and de declaring them domestic terrorists because they don't want to see the indoctrination of their children, when the FBI is going out and infiltrating the Catholic Church because they are a pro-life organization, but yet the satanic temple of the United States of America, who has filed a lawsuit against the Supreme Court, has admitted that they're conducting infanticide but yet the FBI is not trying to infiltrate them. And we already talked about uh, Antifa, which is really a domestic terrorist organization, and many others like James Revenge. So what is happening is that not just at the top, the head of the FBI, it's probably seven or eight levels down. And I think that the Durham report shows this. And so people like Andrew McKay, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Bruce O, uh, James Comey, uh, all of these individuals should be doing the perp walk instead of the you know, everyday uh, man and woman on the streets, who just happened to be in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Yeah, I love that point. I did want to turn to the Durham report next. <clears throat> Many people made the comment that the Durham report it seemed to validate or expose what a lot of conservatives had suspected, mm -hmm. but the core conclusion that there was no reason to start with for the FBI to even have been investigating a Russia collusion because there was nothing to it, and yet the investigation went on for two and a half years or more during mm -hmm. Trump's administration. And it captured all the headlines, captured mm -hmm. the media attention. It, it caused people to feel like he was an invalid president, that he'd been helped by the Russians. And it leads people, some people to say, and I, uh, and I, I will tell you myself, I've said it, I think that whenever there's our patriots back in charge in Washington, there needs to be a cleaning out of the FBI, not just a, a new head, and not just the upper echelon, but almost a, a thorough review of everyone yeah. there, a cleansing. I, I mean, are we at that, that point? It has to be that extreme? It has to be that extreme. Yeah. It has to be a complete restructuring of the FBI. But it's not just the FBI. It's the Department of Defense. It's the IRS. It's the ATF. It's, you know, every single agency up there, HHS even, the CDC, and some of the things that they're doing. So... If there's one fault that I could say of President Trump in his four years there, he did not realize the real impact and influence of what I call the bureaucratic administrative state. Uh, and you've got to go many, many levels deep in order to root it out. It's not just about changing the cabinet level position and a couple other political appointees. You've got to clean out all of the political appointees and start looking at some of those careerist bureaucrats as well. 
Absolutely. And it's amazing because he ran on calling it the deep state. He ran on saying there's a deep state at work mm -hmm. here. It's uniparty. It's both parties. It's the bureaucracies. So he even had a hint of it. But I, I think, no, I think is one thing he helped expose to the American people, the depth and the breadth of the just yeah. the corruption but there. The, this is the only thing that I will say, and this works against him coming from the private sector, because when you're a CEO in the private sector, you know, it's kind of like Pharaoh Ramses and the Ten Commandments, so let it be written, so let it be done, and if anyone disagrees with you, you can fire them. But there are different things in the aspect of the federal government. You may be the chief uh, executive officer of the federal government, but there's a lot of ingrown and ingrained protections for government bureaucrats. And so if you're going to go in and drain the swamp and all these things, you've got to have a game plan that you can go in from day one, you got to start dismantling that. And uh, I think that, you know, at the end, he was very surprised at how effective it was because they were the ones with all the leaks and everything trying to undermine it. Absolutely true. You know, Reagan even complained about that. Reagan was saying when he came into office, you know, back in the 80s, he appointed new cabinet heads. He's got a new agenda. We're going this way. Mm -hmm. And he realized that the layer of bureaucracy right beneath the head, they've been there a long time. Mm -hmm. They know what they plan to do. What it's EPA is going to do this. We don't really care what this new guy says yeah. and all the other agencies. And so it's a... Um, it really ultimately robs, and I love that you're a student of government. You, you think of these deeper issues, mm -hmm. but it really robs the people of representative government. It does. And so it's, it's kind of like if you could think about the old days when you had the, uh, the, the ancient Greek uh, Navy and the Roman Navy. You can change the people that are on the top deck. But what about the people down there that are rowing? And if you're not changing the people that are rowing, you're going to find that you're not going to be going in the right direction. Yep. You know, one more thing in January 6th and the juries, part of what's occurred because the insurrection narrative got launched is that, and so I believe it's over a thousand cases have been tried now mm -hmm. and all but one resulted in conviction, either conviction of all charges or only or, or most charges. So one person judge trial was acquitted. But you have this mindset that has in, become, has infiltrated the American people. The jury's back there. I, I mean, my sense of it is they've decided Trump bad, insurrection bad. I don't care what the facts are. They're mm -hmm. all getting convicted. You lose the whole sense of a justice system, not just that the DOJ is corrupt mm -hmm. and the FBI, but what the people's role is also well, tainted. You probably should not have these trials going on in Washington, D.C. Right. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it. Because <clears throat> you think about, you know, the people that you know, were uh, indicted through the Durham report, they were tried in Washington, D.C. And you had them online, falsifying documents and everything. What happens? They get off. But then Joe and Jane Sixpack from all over and across the United States of America, they're getting tried in Washington, D.C. And it's basically, you know, off with their head because that's an insular place. And uh, they listen to one form of media. They listen to one narrative. They listen to one message. You know, I, this January 6th thing gets to me. One more point I'll say about it is, and having infiltrated the mindset that says our job is to shut down the people we don't like, shut down the agenda we don't like, shut down the supporters of the people we don't like, it has, that narrative has infiltrated societal thought in the juries, but also, and truly as a lawyer, I find staggering, the judges, that you don't see judges. There were a few cases where a judge made a comment on the record like, this seems a little extreme here. I mean, we have all these riots over here in 2020 mm -hmm. and property destroyed, statues toppled. I'm not seeing these cases, but this guy who showed up and, you know, stood there for a few minutes in the Capitol and left, but mostly is a corruption of the judiciary. Yeah. All the way, I mean, I'm the trial judges, which in this case are the federal judges in the district mm -hmm. court in Washington, and the appellate justice, you're not finding the voices within, within the, the, the legal world saying something is really off here. There are three branches of rule for the left, not three branches of government, oh. executive, judicial, and uh, legislative. There are three branches of rule, media, academia, and the courts. And that's why they're so upset about the fact that they don't have the Supreme Court. And look at what they're doing to uh, Justice Clarence Thomas. Look how they talk about, you know, maybe we need to stack the Supreme Court, get more people on there, because they don't want to lose that ability of affecting the culture and society through judicial activism. And that's exactly what is happening here and why we end up having these two tiers of, of justice that are out there.
It's a mindset of we're going to control and these are the vehicles to get control. It's, it's totalitarianism. It's totalitarianism. Yeah. Now I was going to say, you've used the word um, in very, at various points over time about what the left represents in America mm -hmm. today. And different from being a liberal, what the leftist represents. And it really, I've become more comfortable just calling it. It's at least Marxism, socialism, it's just it communism arising in America. Well, understand that the, the tenets of socialism, and socialism is an economic model that leads to the change of a societal model. As a matter of fact, Vladimir Lenin said that the end goal of socialism is communism. So when you're talking about wealth redistribution, when you talk about nationalizing economic production, when you talk about creating and expanding a welfare nanny state, a dependency society, social egalitarianism, that's why we have all this talk about equity, which is really a quality of outcomes, and then secular humanism, that's the left in America today. And I think we make a mistake. They have borrowed the word liberal, but it's not the true classical liberalism of John Locke and natural rights theory, right. uh, the second treatise of government. What they are are a postmodern liberalism that is aligned more so with Marxism, socialism, and ultimately communism or statism. Uh, and so we have to start talking in those terms and stop letting them you know, define their opposition. We have to define who they are. Right. You know, it's that, that um, stealth kind of like a snake would do, sneak in and not see it. But mm -hmm. it's that stealth infiltration of the political world, of mm -hmm. our culture, of academia. And unless they run, I mean, at least Bernie Sanders has the honesty to say, yes, I'm a, he's a communist. He'll say I'm a democratic socialist. Yeah. And so AOC, a few other people in Congress will say that. But for the most part, they're pushing those ideas that are Marxist or statist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm but they are being sold in by someone who's saying I'm just a Democrat, I, I'm on the left, I'm, you know, that's me. But you have to dig beneath the label they give themselves and, and connect the dots between what they're pushing and, and, and what, what Marxism is. And, and that's why we got to talk about philosophy of governance. Yes, you have a great party, article on that. Uh, because that's the clear delineation. When you have people that want to decide what type of stove you have in your home, what type of dishwasher you have in your home, what type of car you can drive, that's not about a political party. That's about the usurpation of individual rights, freedoms, and liberties. You're too dumb and stupid to make any of these decisions yourself. When you have a president, a vice president, and the White House spokesperson standing up and publicly saying, your kids are not your own. You know, right. there are other people that said wacky stuff like that, you know, like an Adolf Hitler, Mao, Stalin, Lenin. Right. That's how we have to start tying these people to the philosophy of governance that they are professing and projecting. Another thing on that socialism point, I think you've probably seen recently, Bernie Sanders has a bill, <clears throat> excuse me, in the Senate, and AOC, I believe, is, a, is the House sponsor, maybe a few others. But the idea of it is they're talking about that children should get breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and a snack every day in public school. And it's not means tested, it's everybody. In yeah. fact, the means tested thing is being thrown out because that makes some kids feel marginalized. So they're basically, in the argument, AOC's given speeches about it, saying, you know, kids can't learn if they're hungry. And you know, what I get, which is true. Well, I don't want them to learn. learn what they're teaching, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's one of the critical but, things. But this is a stealth socialism and yeah. it appeals especially to women. If you tell women, you know, you have a sympathetic presentation of these kids, they, they are a little bit hungry, and all we're asking is just while they're at school, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and a snack, and women thinking, well, why isn't that just being nice? This is part of the job, and I feel like, I, I mean, I, I do try to speak more to women on my mm -hmm. show and my speeches about, this is, you're being lured in to a whole society where you no longer have responsible parents, you no longer have a self-sufficient society. I mean, I'm just deeply troubled by Remember that. Remember that video uh, it, that came out during the Obama administration? It was the life of, I forget the, the woman's name. Oh. You, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. But it Jean. basically showed how from cradle to grave to women that the government will, will take care of your life and control your life all the way through. I, I've, maybe someone can look it up and figure out, but it's the life of uh, somebody. But, Wasn't it Jane? I don't know. Uh, but maybe, you know. Now you got Karen, okay? Because if, oh, you don't, yeah. if you don't agree, <laughs> if you don't agree with these things, yeah. then all of a sudden you're a Karen. <clears throat> so I think that we have to be very careful because first and foremost, you know, they have now said, well, we'll redefine what a woman is. 
So, you know, the great, hey guys, you know, I don't think I'll ever again buy a Sports Illustrated, you know, swimsuit edition, uh, because, you know, now you got a biological male on the cover of Sports Illustrated. You know, you got Target with all of these different wacky outfits out there. And Adidas, I mean, this guy coming out with hair on his chest and wearing a, a one-piece bikini and, and all these things. So women need to understand that the left is completely eradicating them. We worked so hard for Title IX women's yes. sports and now all of a sudden they're saying you know you guys can't even compete against each other as women we're going to allow biological males to come in and take all these championships and these opportunities with you so if there's any group in america that should be upset it should be women in america couldn't agree more we had riley Gaines on the show three or four weeks ago mm -hmm. talking about that very point i mean you think about a swimmer especially yeah i mean that is exhausting i mean every yeah. athlete who's at that level has to do a lot of time in practice, William, but William Thomas, William Thomas goes from being ranked 463rd yep. <laughs> to being number one. Now, what does that tell you? Yeah, so that's about women, but it's also about moms. I do yes. think this whole transgenderism, pushing the schools, it may help moms wake up. I mean, the ones who are kind of the suburban mom that votes with the left because they're sympathetic, but they watch, this is what the left is doing to my kids. That's a dot that must be connected for those it, voters it, it out there. It has to be connected, and when they want to expose your child to some of these perversities that are out there, you know, I have a two-year-old grandson. I know. I cannot take my two-year-old grandson into a triple X rated bookstore. If I do, I'm doing the perp walk. So why is it that we are taking little children to these adult drag shows where biological males are dressing up as women and exposing themselves to these kids? And where's Child Protective Services? That's happening here in Texas and, not, and all across the country. So we have got to protect our children and we need women to step up and say, time out on the court, we're not allowing this. Yeah, not for my kids. I'm gonna just tell you a question, I'm gonna ask you later so it can percolate around, but I, I gave a speech recently and then another time after my show, I'll say after my show, someone very prominent just said, to, I mean, we had a very substantive discussion and after the show's over, they said, I can't figure out how America's gonna get out of our situation. I can't figure out how we're ever gonna get America back, and I don't know who could lead us out. And, and you know, I, I wanna get back to that. I know you probably have a great answer, but I just wanna drop that question because you hear this all the time. People saying, with this issue, this issue, this issue, who's gonna rise up and, and bring our country back to what it's supposed to be? Uh, and so I wanna come back to that, but I do wanna turn, I just, I want you to think about that. But uh, earlier today, you- Okay. Earlier today, you texted me an article, which I thought was actually really interesting. Um, and it's about the idea that in the Texas legislature, and by the way, wherever you're listening to this show, if you think that Texas is rock solid conservative, you need to pay better attention. Um, but anyway, in, in the Texas legislature, this session, which is just ending this coming Monday, we only have a legislative session for six or five or six months every other year. So it's really uh, imminent that's ending for a while. Um, the Democrat uh, core in the House blocked a constitutional amendment requiring Texas voters to be U.S. citizens. Literally, it was, this would have been something that the if the House voted for it and the Senate did, it would have been in the ballot this fall for Texas voters. Do you want to put in the Texas Constitution that only um, that only U.S. citizens can vote in Texas, and the Democrats mm -hmm. blocked it? So that means they are okay with non-citizens voting, and. I mean, to me, for the longest time, I, I feel like I'm endlessly waking up from, wow, I just had too much of a cupcake view of the world. I assume most people would understand that's a basic principle of America. You have to yeah. be a, a citizen to vote. Well, when the left is talking about threats to democracy, they're really projecting what they really are. Right. They're the biggest threat to democracy, and that's one of the key things. When you talk about five, six, seven million people have come into the United States of America illegally over the last two years, maybe two and a half years, the left wants them to be able to vote. Uh, as a matter of fact, here in Texas, you had a Democrat state, state House member saying that the uh, notice that they get to reappear in court should be used as a means of identification so they can get a driver's license. Yep. And if you get a driver's license, that's a picture ID. What does that mean? You can get on to vote. That's happening here in Texas. So this is all about undermining not just the sovereignty of Texas, but undermining the electoral process and system here in the state of Texas. And if there's a group that is, you know, really threatening our democracy to say and to vote that you don't believe that only U.S. citizens should be voting in this country, 
that you are a threat to democracy. And so when you talk about messaging and getting our narrative out, every single person should be talking about that. But yet these are the exact same people that, you know, a Republican majority, a Republican speaker have put in leadership positions of our committees down there in the, in the Texas State House. So why would you do that? Why would you power share with people that are the true threats to the, our democracy? Yeah, you know, I was actually, we moved to Texas in the year 2000, and I did not know before that time that in the Texas legislature, they had, with a Republican majority, House and Senate, whatever they got the majority in both, they had a fair number of Democrat chairs assigned to committees, and they described it or justified it as, well, this is kind of how we show our, you know, we're, our, our um, pride, our statesmanlike, you know, we're, we rise above political parties. With the left as radical as they are and wanting to fill our country with non-citizens, the, the idea of having Democrats chair anything, and, and the point, by the way, if you can chair a committee, you can block legislation. That's correct. It never gets to the floor of the House. That's correct. And, and so why would you power share with people that have a completely different an antithetical philosophy of governance than what we have in a constitutional republic. Absolutely true. You wrote a great piece about that. I have too many of your articles now, but you had a great piece about that, about, you know, forget the label of party, Democrat, Republican, yeah. just one party committed to the constitutional, the ideas of the Constitution, mm -hmm. uh, the guarantees of individual liberty and all of that, the Constitution. And then the other party just really wants whatever you want to call it, Marxist statist control over yeah. society. No longer, it's not any longer a debate for the political parties as a, you know, as a sports analogy between the 40 yard lines. It, it is, you have America or you have not America. Mm -hmm. And that's really where the left is, which is why I'm hearing all these people say, we've well, got to compromise. Whatever happened, a good old fashioned compromise. You can't compromise people who want to destroy your country. Yeah, you know, you can't compromise with something that doesn't believe in the foundations of, of this country. And so when you have you know, individuals in leadership positions that are completely violating everything in the Constitution. I mean, how can you be the president of the United States of America and enact policies that undermine the sovereignty of the country that you're the president of? Uh, so how can you sit around and say, yeah, let's let's find some common ground? Or you look at what is happening right now with our debt ceiling. With, without a doubt, the spending issue is huge for the United States of America. When our debt to GDP ratio is close to 130%, yep. if we don't get this, uh, this debt under control, our net interest of the debt, $1 trillion. That's, that's more than what we spend on defense of this great nation. And if there's anything we should be focused on right now is China is building up its military capability and capacity is making sure we have a strong military deterrent. But we're becoming such a hugely debt nation that we see our credit rating being destroyed. But yet there are people that say everything's fine. We just need to continue to raise this and continue to borrow money and continue to spend ad nauseum, ad infinitum. So you are talking about the fiscal demise and collapse of the United States of America. And so, you know, you look out here and we see 635, we see Dallas North Tollway. We're sitting here and we're discussing these things. But we represent maybe 1%, maybe less than that, that are really thinking about these issues right. and take it to heart. And so, you know, coming back to the questions that you asked me is that we have to hold people accountable. We cannot be caught up in the gimmicks of politics. We cannot be caught up in the shiny object. We cannot continue to be seen as victim, a victim class. And, you know, the government's going to give me something. So I'm going to vote for the person that gives me the most benefits out of the public treasury. We've got to be more savvy as an American uh, people, and we have to be better informed, better educated, and better activated to make a change and make a difference. Because we continue to elect people that are working against our own, you know, better quality of life. I, I don't get it. I mean, that'd be just the same as I'm a commander on, on the battlefield, and, you know, we whip the Taliban or Al-Qaeda or whatever, and then I go over and sit down and talk to them about, you know, hey, man, you know, maybe I'll give you this town back. Uh, if you promise not to shoot at us anymore. Well, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move over to the China question um, very briefly. There was, uh, when the Biden laptop, Hunter Biden laptop finally became public, it was very obvious money, and, and people have been writing about and talking about how money's been flowing from the CCP through various entities ending mm -hmm. up in the, in the Biden family coffers mm -hmm. in one way or another. And a great um, gentleman had my show. He's a former CIA operative and he's done a lot of amazing undercover stuff. He was making the point, because he would arrange these kind of things. If you are at CCP and you get money to Joe Biden once and he doesn't do what you told him to do, 
you won't keep sending money. But the fact of the repeated payments from CCP through a variety of entities to the Biden family, he uses the expression, he sees Biden as a controlled asset of the CCP. And I don't know if you even heard that. You, yeah. What's your sense of that? President Biden is compromised. So then, I mean, there's no, there's no debate about it. I mean, you just look at, you know, the facts that we know about the money that's flowing to these shell companies and then somehow into the family coffers. Uh, and you look at the lack of clear standing and stance against China. Look, China is conducting a chemical war against the United States of America right now because that's what fentanyl is. And so hundreds of thousands of Americans have already been killed because of fentanyl. They are killing Americans. Then add on top of that, the biological war uh, from the, uh, the COVID virus that did leak out of a Wuhan uh, lab to, to, to infect the entire world, especially the United States of America. And new ones coming. There's, there are big reports out yesterday and today, new, new viruses coming out of China. And, and so, yeah, they, they, do, they, they intend to cause America harm. So, I mean, it's a very serious question. I don't know if you can have but, one answer. But, but also understand this. In the state of Texas, we could not get legislation passed that would prevent China from buying up lands in, in Texas. Right. So it's not just, don't just look up at Joe Biden and the federal government. Something's <clears throat> happening here in the state of Texas when we can't get that type of legislation passed. Yeah, I was at an event last night where someone was giving a summary of the um, this session and making that point that you would think, and it's a, it's a massive Republican majority agreement that mm -hmm. we have to stop them. And even for Democrats, it's over 50% saying China shouldn't really be buying land in Texas yeah. and they couldn't get it through. So yeah. it suggests people being compromised, people not being yeah. uh, motivated by you preserving have, it. You have two Chinese telecommunications uh, headquarters right here in Richardson and also in Plano, Huawei and ZTE. ZTE right off of uh, Highway 75 in Richardson <clears throat> and, and Huawei up in Plano. Why are we allowing this to happen in the state of Texas? Exactly. So I want to go back to your days in Congress because we have this sliver of power that conservatives do in Washington. You know, we don't have the White House or the Senate, and we have a slim majority in the House. What you and I are talking about, at least the members paying attention, and they're not all paying attention, but the ones that are paying attention, they are aware of these things. They're aware of what China controls Biden. He's a controlled asset. They're aware that our for our military is diminished by the yes. policies of the Obama administration and the Biden administration. Is there anything the House could be doing? I know they made special committees, which I'm glad about, and they're investigating and putting out reports. I mean, yeah. what should a fighting Republican majority do? Use the power of the purse and say, we're not going to be funding these things because everything that is a financial resource matter has to come back to the House. That's constitutional. Right. So even though you don't have control of the Senate, you have that power of the purse. So one of the things, when I look at the uh, Department of Defense, all of these DEI programs and offices in the Department of Defense, eradicate them, get rid of them. They should not be appropriated. And the left can, you know, do whatever kind of stink that they want. But we have to use that power of the purse to say that all of these cultural Marxists, all these ideological programs and agendas that you're pushing and using taxpayer dollars to use, that's unconstitutional. We're not going to allow it to happen. I would love that. And I do. Uh, the power of the purse answer seems to be the one, it's the most logical, it's, it's the clear constitutional authority they have. And I really, I, I, I do feel puzzled why, given how serious things are and everyone actually paying attention can see it, why there isn't more of a push now. I mean, we're, you know, Biden's still going to be apparently, unless they can move him out of office somehow, he's going to be another year and a half. You know, the idea of, of power of purse just saying we're not funding DEI is a good mm -hmm. thing. We're going to cut off entire departments or divisions within the FBI. We're going to cut off ATF, ATF as well. Oh, ATF, FBI. There, there's a, if you realize the seriousness of America's situation, mm -hmm. you would take the bull by the horns. Yes, and you've got to get out there on media uh, outlets, not just the ones friendly to you, but challenge and go on the, the alphabet soup media, the CNNs, the PBSs, the MSNBCs, and challenge them and say that these are things that we're going to have constitutional governance. We're not going to allow all of these ideological things to be part of the budget of the United States of America. Okay. Um, you know what? I, I sent some things to Emilio. Yeah. You know, um, I, I want to be... You, you wrote a piece about the NAACP and, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, and race and all this. There was a little clip of Biden. Are you there? Are you okay? Okay. Uh, so Biden spoke today. And I'm, should, the word spoke is not correct. He cannot enunciate. So I don't know what he's trying to do. But he had. And he can projected you sound. There you go. So there he is.
building cross-community solidarity and collective action to fight hate. This strategy includes over 100 bold and unprecedented actions that government agencies are going to take to counter anti-Semitism. And that includes calls for action for Congress, state and local governments, companies, technology platforms, civil society, and faith leaders, all of them to act, act, silence is complicity. All of us must stand united to affirm that an attack on any one group of us is an attack on all of us. Okay, I know he mutters. I mean, he sounds a little bit like Dade Phelan. You know, the House Speaker? <laughs> did, you, did you see this clip yeah, of Dave Phelan? But, but doesn't Joe Biden look like a grown-up version of the kid from Deliverance? <laughs> hey, I'm from Georgia. I can say that. It was filmed up in North Georgia. He looks like a grown-up version of that kid from Deliverance. I mean, he, he just, he's, actually for decades, he was, yeah. he didn't enunciate well. Even no. when he had more mental faculty, he didn't enunciate well. But the gist of what he's saying, and his, he spoke, I'm sure you saw recently, at mm -hmm. a historical black college, and he gave the commencement speech where he told these graduating, these people finishing college, they're out going out in the world, going to conquer the world, do whatever they're going to do. And he basically told them the biggest enemy, the biggest threat to you is, uh, is white supremacy, yeah. is the threat of white supremacy. So he's basically saying, the rest of the country hates you, but don't worry, we are going to save you. I mean, did you find that offensive? Well, it's absolutely offensive. But remember, he was also the guy in 2012 in Virginia that uh, made the statement, they're going to put y'all back in chains. Well, the only people that have ever put blacks in chains were affiliated with the Democrat Party. And yeah. it's the physical <laughs> enslavement. But now it's, it's the economic enslavement. So if you want to talk about the purveyors of systemic racism, it's the Democrat Party. If you want to talk about the people who should be writing checks for reparations in America, it's the Democrat Party. If you want to talk about eliminating hate in the United States of America, it's the Democrat Party. So everything that, they're, again, they're trying to project on others, it's because of them. They're the ones that started the Ku Klux Klan. You know, in, in Texas, it was 150 black men on Independence Day of 1867 that founded the Republican Party of Texas. Who founded the Ku Klux Klan in Texas? They were Democrats, okay? So they have this, this background, and now their background is about the soft bigotry of low expectations. And so what you're saying to a bunch of recent graduates at Howard University, one of the most prestigious, you know, yes. historic black colleges and universities in America, is that life is gonna suck for you because white supremacy is out there killing you. On his very first weekend as mayor in Chicago, Brandon Johnson, 23 shootings in Chicago, not by a white supremacist. Since 2020 to today, there have been over 330 little black and brown children that have been killed in urban centers because of gang violence and stray bullets, not by white supremacy. The black family, the traditional black family has been decimated not by white supremacy, the policies of the Democrats. Lack of quality education in inner city communities. Look at what Governor Cooper is doing in North Carolina because Republicans pass education, freedom, and school tell choice. Tell that story, it's amazing. He's declared a state of emergency. So what does that tell you? Democrats don't want you to be educated. They don't want you to have the choice to be educated. So if you want to cure the ills of the United States of America, get rid of the doggone progressive socialists who now call themselves the Democrat Party. Absolutely. I love Yeah. <laughs> so the NAACP recently, someone from that group made a statement uh, that people, that, that black Americans shouldn't want to live in Florida. Uh, and he actually said it also about LGBTQ community, I think, yeah. too. But uh, anyway, so what was your reaction to that? The president of the NAACP lives in Tampa, Florida. So, yeah. so this That's is what drills. Be a secret. Go this ahead. is what drill sergeants will call stuck on stupid. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and, and so with all of the things that are going on, you're going to sit and say that blacks should not travel to Florida, when you should be saying blacks should not travel to Chicago. That's where they're getting killed, or Detroit, or Philadelphia, or New York City, or Washington D.C., to Dallas, to Atlanta, to Memphis. That's where they're getting killed. That's where you see violence against them. And the NAACP, this is a purely political stance. And I want everyone to go and read the history of the NAACP. They were founded by four white progressives at the turn of the century. They were not founded by you know, any, any black people that wanted to advance the, the agenda of colored people. And the person that they put in charge was W.E.B. Du Bois, who was an avowed socialist, 
who later on in life, you know, became a communist. He renounced his American citizenship. And oh, by the way, he once had dinner in China with Mao Zedong. So that's the history of the NAACP. Yeah. You know, that message you're describing, because the, the left has been very successful in America, kind of co-opting the black vote. And I also mm -hmm. go back, co-opting the women's vote. I yes. mean, women are told, you know, you're victims and the society won't be fair to you unless you, we take care of you. It's the same message to women, different issues, but same every, kind of message. Every group, every demographic group, because that's what cultural Marxism is. They break you down. They say that you are a victim and we're here to try to save you. But and what they're really doing is usurping your rights, freedoms, and liberties. Yeah, and you know, I, I will commend you again. I, I could have given a much longer introduction. You have been a war, no, I mean, you have been a warrior for speaking truth. I mean, a, a military warrior, and I always thank you for your service. I, I deeply appreciate that. But even since you, you've been in politics and serving in the House and heading up the Texas Republican Party and getting them, getting the party to be outward speaking to more than just our own choir about what we stand for, mm -hmm. why our arguments are best. And you do so much public speaking, you do your podcast, you do your writing. You're just kind of an, an endless source of new arguments, new analysis to really try to draw people in to, to start thinking, to start thinking beyond what the party is telling you to believe, the left is telling you to believe about America. Mm -hmm. I tried, I don't, I don't, not nearly as prolific writing all that as you are, but I tried that with oh, women stop. as well. I mean, because I just think, you know, that you're, they're voting for their own, their own demise. Yeah, they are. Women are and blacks are. Yeah, and, and you know, fortunately we're seeing the Hispanic community wake up. Uh, you know, in 2020, we saw the uh, South Texas, you know, yeah. completely flip. Uh, they had never seen a chairman of the Republican Party of Texas down in South Texas. And, and that's why I said we have to take our message everywhere. And, you know, when you look at, and I've said this here before, some of y'all know me saying this, we got to get on the other side of the Trinity River yep. here, here in, in the Dallas area because they're the ones that are suffering because of these policies of the soft bigotry of low expectations. You know, they're trapped in failing schools. They're trapped in decimated families. They're trapped in high crime areas. But yet, you know, we got a Soros-backed DA here that continues to allow criminals to walk the streets. So we've got to tell that message and take it to people. Absolutely, we do. We do. And, you know, actually, outside of the realm of political parties, too, I think people yeah. having little events in their home, uh, the great film, which you were part of, and uh, there was, uh, it was Uncle Tom 1, Uncle Tom 2, mm -hmm. uh, there was a suggestion, you know, host, it, host your host a little event in your home, put it on your TV screen, invite over your neighbors, mm -hmm. just to watch the kind of, because that film says a lot that I couldn't summarize and say well. And actually, since we're on that topic, uh, Mr. Emilio, I sent you a flyer. Can you put it on this screen too, I don't know if you can, but a flyer about this upcoming event. Um, do we have that? Yeah, there we go. So Uncle Tom 2 <clears throat> was a, um, is a documentary, and it's going to be featured and speak about this Great American Summit, which is coming up. And this guy, Chad Jackson, some of you are probably here when he was on my show. Chad Jackson, I don't know what his title was, but he was the main guy kind of in charge yeah, of it. Yeah. Okay, he was on my show, seeing right where you are, months ago, and he's brilliant. He he's deep. He's brilliant. In fact, my husband's comment after was, afterward was, he's kind of like a young Thomas Sowell. He's really deep in his observations. So anyway, this event coming up, it is June and you know 2nd. the truth about Chad? Chad voted for Barack Obama twice. But all of a sudden, when someone asked him to research and understand and look at the differences, not from a political party perspective, but from his principles and values perspective, he said, I'm on the wrong side. Wrong uh, team, yeah. Yeah, on the wrong team. And that is what has changed him. There's that police officer, a similar story, Brandon Tatum, I think. Brandon Tatum. Yeah. yeah. He went to, he had heard about these terrible people who support uh, Donald Trump and they're evil and they're terrible. And so he went as a police officer to a Trump rally. And, and, he, just, and he went thinking, I'm going to hate these people. And he discovered the people outside of the rally who were the leftists were vile and violent and aggressive and grotesque. And he went inside the rally and all the Trump supporters like, hey, come on in, sit down, chit-chatting away. And he realized, I've been lied to. I've been lied mm -hmm. to. That when you wake up like that, it's, it's really, it's a beautiful thing. It is. Okay, so back to that little flyer. You can attend this. I'm sorry, I don't know how the exact thing is. Oh, yes, I do. Okay, so attend that. Go to greatamericansummit.com. Greatamericansummit.com. I love pushing it. June 2nd and 3rd. Uh, you can get tickets and more information there. It's coming right up uh, here in Texas. I'm not sure where it is, but it's somewhere in North Texas. Yep, we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay, all right then. <laughs>
Well, get, yeah. a, get a map and a compass out, not a GPS. And, and use your internet, yeah, okay. All right, um, I do want to hit a couple of the quick things. Um, and then I do, we often, on, we do on Thursdays, offer the audience a chance to ask questions. I believe the microphone's probably over there. I don't know where, you have it? Okay, and so if you want to ask a question, here's our new deal. You gotta stand up and get, stand in the middle, and I am timing you, so your question cannot exceed 60 seconds. You gotta get the question out, just so enough people who want to can ask questions. But he loves taking questions. No you proselytizing, that's what she's saying. Yeah, that's a really only big I proselytize. Get to the point. <laughs> It is true. Okay, I you know back to the. Um, I mean, I, I I did for much of my young adult life think that the uh, the legal system in our country, while never perfect, never perfect, mm -hmm. was you know the best idea, and you continually try to improve it. But I thought you know the FBI was probably more or less above reproach, and maybe they never were. But I meant to mention one other thing I didn't hit earlier on the subject of the FBI. What came out, and it actually came out in testimony also. Everyone knows all of the corruption that Hillary Clinton engaged in. And so the FBI, they had four probes into Hillary Clinton, her, their mm -hmm. nonprofit, the you know, Clinton mm -hmm. Foundation, which was just a money-running operation. Mm -hmm. In any case, the FBI acknowledged they destroyed all the evidence they had of all the Hillary Clinton investigations. They don't have it anymore. So you can never look at it again. I don't think that's common practice. That's the, that's the idea. You're not going to, she's one of us. She's one of the yeah. left. You can't have her. Well, the bottom line, I think it was Lord Acton who said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so any institution that is comprised of man, and I mean men and women, mankind, it can... <laughs> Continue speaking. Boy, you're trying try to distract me, huh? No. Sorry. But, but any institution that's made up of man has the proclivity to become corrupt. And that's yeah. what we have. And I think that's what our founding fathers tried to get us to understand and make sure that we were guarded against. You know, there's a, a great quote. It says, nothing so greatly compels a man to regard the interests of his constituents than the certainty of returning to the general mass of the people from whence he was taken so yes. that he may participate in their burdens. That was George Mason at the Virginia Ratifying <clears throat> Convention for our Constitution, uh, 17 June, 1787, I believe, uh, because they never want us to have career politicians. You were supposed right. to go there to serve the people. You were supposed to be a citizen servant. But what, because of our apathy, we have allowed people to now be part of this elite class of individuals that believe that they're not there to govern us, but to Lord over us, Lord with a little L. And so we have got to have the mentality that we do not allow this to happen because it's very Pavlovian. If, if we don't see an electoral change in the United States of America, you just said that all of that bad behavior is acceptable. So if that bad behavior is acceptable, what do you think you're going to get more of? Bad behavior. Absolutely true. Uh, that quickly uh, brings up that Frederick Douglass quote I sent you, Emilio. This is a really cool quote. And I mean, it's worded, unfortunately, in language that might sound a little stilted to our time, but mm -hmm. Frederick Douglass, power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did and it never will. Find out just what any people will quietly submit to, and you have found out the exact measure of injustice and wrong which will be imposed upon them, and these will continue till they are resisted with either words or blows or with both. The limits of tyrants are prescribed by the endurance of those whom they oppress. Yeah. Isn't that brilliant? It is brilliant. And he is also the person that said that individuals have to protect their rights. And there are three means by which the individual has to be able to protect their rights. It's with the ballot box. It's through the jury box. Last resort is the cartridge box. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. So I'm going to let these people ask questions, I swear. Two things I want to say. Uh, I, I'm starting on this quest because people are getting lined up on who they want to back for president, the GOP nomination, mm -hmm. in, in, you know, for the election um, next year. And I urge people to think of a list of questions. What would you ask? What do you want to know from the people who want to be your president? I have a little list here. My top one is we already sound election integrity and getting rid of the machines. What would you, do you have in mind what you would want to know if you could line up the GOP candidates? What do you want them to answer? 
I want someone to tell us how they would help to restore election integrity, uh, but understand that the federal government does not have the real hand on that. This is something at the, at the county level. And so that's why I would say promote in all of the red counties in the United States of America that you move toward paper ballots, that you move toward making sure that you uh, go in and purge the voter registration rolls. Because when you look at the presidential electoral map, there are a lot of red counties out there. Uh, it's strategically located the blue counties and major population centers where we can get all the red counties on the same sheet of music. I think that helps us very much. And another thing, sadly, this uh, state of Texas did not uh, vote down ranked choice voting. Be very careful of ranked choice voting. Unbelievable. This is, this is the next thing that the liberals, the left, the progressive soldiers are going to use to try to undermine our electoral system. Uh, go back and study what just happened out in Alaska. All right. uh, it's a travesty what ranked choice voting can do. Yeah. Okay, I want to ask him, I'll tell you other things for a president. Climate change, reopening drilling, you know, all of that. I mean, well, don't you want to know what their view is? Well, I, I do believe in climate change. It is winter, spring, summer, and fall. Yeah. Right, I, I, right. The climate does change. And so, you know, the, the weatherman here in Dallas has been talking about rain for the last three days, okay? So we can't even predict the weather 24 hours out. So how are we going to predict the weather, you know, 50 to 100 years out? What I do know is that we need energy independence. Energy independence gives yes. you economic security, <clears throat> and it gives you national security. So we have to restore our energy independence. Okay, I have other things I would love to ask the candidates, but I want to do my last question to you. And let them, so um, here's, I, I swear, the people who ask me this, you guys would not believe, say, who is going to get us out of this? Who's going who's to help America get out of the mess that we're in? I have an answer, but do you want to answer? I think that we have to think less about an individual and more about what someone can represent. You have to have someone that number one is a warrior, someone that understands the situation, someone that's willing to go into the arena and fight, and someone that speaks 24-7, 365 about constitutional governance. Not about gimmicks, not about politics, but constitutional governance. That's the most important thing. And someone that can go after the left and define them instead of allowing them to define who he or she is. I love all of that. I will say also that there is, Every single person who's sentient, who's awake, has a role to play. I mean, this idea of someone's going to come along, any yeah. presidential candidate, it's all of us. It's what you do every day with all of your work and your speaking. You're just tireless in speaking all over the country. Uh, it, it is waking people up. It's helping people connect us. It's all of us. It's like a citizenry waking each other up. It's a call to action. And, and as uh, Thomas Paine wrote in The Crisis, these are the times which try men's souls. Mm -hmm. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from their duty, but to those who will make a stand, they will deserve the love and admiration of all men and women. So this is about what do you want your children and grandchildren to say about you? Not now, but yeah. after you're gone. Yep. Because we cannot be the first generation of Americans that leave less. Uh, my dad was born in 1920 in the South. My mom was born in 1931. I am here because of them. My dad was a corporal in a segregated army in World War II, wow. but yet he challenged me to be the first officer in our family. And so that's the type of adults that we need. Adults right. that go into the house and do as it, uh, you know, Isaiah said, Isaiah, Joshua said, choose for yourselves today whom you shall serve. Being the gods of the Amorites or the gods from across the river, but as for me and my house, yep. we will serve the Lord. So you got to start talking about who you're going to serve in your home. And if your kid comes home and starts with that blah, 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 my, yeah. my professor knows smarter than you or whatever, write them out of your will. Okay? <laughs> Just let them know. You, I'm sorry, Jack. You're not getting anything from me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we have questions. Go ahead. One right, oh, oh, sorry. Please um, go ahead. Alan, you were in the Congress. Uh, yeah. I heard Congressman Comer from yeah. Kentucky last night mm -hmm. saying that if Ray at the FBI will not get that unclassified paper on the Biden business corruption over to the Congress that he will do a um, contempt of Congress charge. What does that mean? And how does that, what kind of teeth is in that? It doesn't mean anything. I, I hate to say that. I mean, I mean, it's like nanny, nanny, boo, boo, you know, triple dog daddy, you know, uh, because we, we did the same thing to Eric Holder. We held him in contempt of, of Congress when he was there, but where did it go? Nothing. He still continued to be the Attorney General. The most important thing is the power of the purse. So all of a sudden, if someone goes and does a line out and veto and say, you ain't getting paid, okay, because the American taxpayer pay, and we have the control over that, your, your pay, we're not going to allow it to happen. Uh, that's the message that you have to start sending.
That was one of the concessions that they get in Kevin McCarthy gets speaker was just to allow them to do more of that. Sorry, go ahead. Questions? I'm concerned about Texas, and I know I'm speaking to the choir with you two, but Dave Phelan is not our friend. I mean, how do we truly get rid of him? I mean, how does how do we? He needs to go. There's so many of our own people that are fighting against us down there. Yeah, well, I've never seen anything like it. I think it's worse than D.C. Well, it, it is uh, because Texas is not the Texas that most people think. Texas is in a free fall decline. I don't care what you say. The fact that we have a state with a 1,250-mile border, and we're not protecting it. And the Constitution gives this state the ability, the enumerated power, the federal government does not do their job, Article 4, Section 4, to protect that border. But yet we're continuing to allow people to come in. And so now we have the you know, most dangerous state for human and sex trafficking, the drug trafficking crisis. And we do have people that are working against it. How can, in the state of Texas, you can't get legislation passed to keep China from buying up land in, in, in the state of Texas. So what you have to do is we have to start looking at these individuals and you have to have a very targeted primary uh, campaign program and stop having five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people run against one person because you just assure that the incumbent is going to get uh, elected. So you need to sit down and start looking at across Texas who are these people that we need to get out of the way so that we can have a constitutional conservative legislative agenda here in the state of Texas. Go ahead, please. Colonel, thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a full house here today in honor of you. And we no, thank no, no, you. No, 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 I really no. believe that. And um, uh, just as you serve, said, we are here ready to serve you. Are you no, planning no, 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 to no, run no, for no, office? No, no, no. Nobody, nobody serves me. Okay, and you know, when I was a commander in the, uh, in the Army, people asked me, who's the most important soldier in your unit? And I said, it's, it's the newest soldier. Uh, and, and so I, I wasn't there to be served by people. Uh, I mean, and it says in the Bible that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And I think that's where we have to store an idea and a sense of servant leadership, or else we're gonna continue to find ourselves in the crappy position that we're in. So if anything, you know, my service is to each and every one of you. I'm not looking for you all to do anything for me. It's what can I do to, to be of service to this, to this state. You could and subscribe to his Substack. You can subscribe to his Substack and read it. You'll be very well informed. Please go ahead, another question. Hi, you, you put a lot of faith in elections, which I have absolutely none right now. Well, and I'm putting faith in you all. Yeah. Not well, in the system of elections, but in, in us being able to have an impact on it. And, and I'm telling you that most people don't understand and realize how important county level commissions are because that's where you choose either supervisor elections or the, uh, the, the commissioner of elections at the county level. And so that's what I want you to focus on what you can do at the county level. We've got the hand count uh, county roadshow that's uh, launching shortly, going county to county across Texas, showing them how you can hand count. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it gets really, t anyway, you know what that is. What I kind of gets frustrated about is like this last week at midnight or something, they passed the, oh, the porn in, in school bills. Since when was it ever legal to allow children pornography? Um, and you can go on down the list. Since when was it ever, you know, was child abuse, with child mutilation? When is that ever legal? We don't follow laws that are already on the book. So, you know, what's the point of fighting over Laws that you know. Well, let me give you a on. great case in point. HB 900 that was right. passed in the House and the Senate that says, you know, we won't have these pornographic books in libraries right. or what have you. But as Lee Corso would say on ESPN for college football, not so fast, my friend. We still have obscenity exemptions in the state of Texas. We did not remove those from, you know, law here in the state of Texas. So people can still back backdoor this by way of an obscenity exemption. So. You know, we still have to be careful about that. And again, it is very insidious that things that are common sense, that we have to pass legislation over things that are common sense. But this is how it has become in, in this uh, state and in this country that we should not be mutilating the bodies of children who can't even go out and get a tattoo. They can't vote. They can't drink alcohol. They can't smoke a cigarette. But now all of a sudden you're telling me a five or six year old can make a decision saying that they want healthy body parts chopped off. It's just common sense. But for some people, you have to codify it in the law. I still consider you our real governor of Texas. Uh, 
I will always consider you my you're real governor. Of sedition, young lady. That's right. I mean, I I just cannot believe this uh, goes on here in Texas. But thank you for everything you fight about. You work right, so question, hard. You're on the border yeah. now. What is something that we the people can get behind in a way to push school choice? Because I believe until we take the money away from the devil, our public schools won't change. Yeah, and, and how sad is it that here in the state of Texas we still were not able to get that passed, even though the governor has said that's one of his priorities. But when you have a henchman over in the state house, you see what happens. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go on the other side of Trinity River and start talking to the moms over there about how important an issue this is. I want you to start having, you know, Park City's Republican women. I want you to start having after-school reading programs for these young people. How many people here know about the salesmanship club? You know, the guys that put on the Byron Nelson? Where's the salesmanship club located? It's located on the other side of Trinity River. It's in that neighborhood, it's that community. So we need to go to them and we need to show how much we care and we need to get that message to the parents. Ron DeSantis won his very first election against a black mayor of Tallahassee, Andrew Gillum, by less than 1%. You know what was the winning issue in Florida? When he said that he would not relegate any child in the state of Florida to a failing public school. Democrat black mothers crossed over and voted for him. That got him over the line. And, and again, talk about what is happening in North Carolina. The North Carolina governor is declared a state of emergency over educational freedom, parental choice, and education being passed in the legislature. How many people know about that? Okay, those are the nuggets that we have to get out there for people to understand. Education is gonna be a critical issue in next year's election. We're on the right side, they are not. I love that. I was just, I'm not playing on my phone really. I'm texting my producer. I asked him if we can go five minutes late because no one else has a studio right now. So we can go just a few more minutes. Um, that's what I was doing. But um, I, we, I see there's a question in the back. And then I do want to ask you um, about all these Chinese military age men coming well, across the southern border. It's not just the, the Chinese. Border. It's all of these single military age men. Right, right. So what's your sense of what, I, I mean, obviously it's a failure to enforce the border, but do you believe there's, imminent danger yes. Did you, okay yes I, I mean, mean why would I allow this plethora of single military aged males to come into the United States of America illegally and and have no necessarily any hearing date they're just kind of Nothing. into the into the interior to 2027 pocketed, for some of them. yeah pocketed in various places we're getting ready to vote when they do you're allowing gang members in you're allowing terrorists in you're allowing all type of subversives and do not think for a minute that China does not know who is coming into the United States of America legally. How can people come up with fifteen to thirty thousand dollars, okay, and show up at our southern border? Someone is behind this. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there is no enumerated power for the president of the United States of America to offer parole for people that are coming to this country illegally. Where, where is that in the Constitution? We just let him do it. I mean, that's what we just. Yeah. I mean, we just allow it to occur. Yeah, we do. Please go ahead. Hi. Hi, ma'am. Is there anything that we the people can do, such as if we want to remove a city council member or a mayor in our local government, we can actually have you know, our own election to remove them? Is there anything we can do uh, to force uh, our governor and our legislature to close the border? Are we literally just going to all stand around and just know we need to close it and know that our country is falling apart and just let it happen do we not have some collective power yeah. that that circumvents the machines well, and the illegal elections where we don't have any confidence that we actually can vote it in sadly in the state of texas you do not have a recall mechanism like what they have in california so the thing that you have to be able to do you've got to start putting pressure on elected officials you know, you've got to let people know that we will not be allowing you to return to these positions. And you got to educate folks. You know, it was so interesting when I ran for governor that we actually had people calling our campaign office saying that you're going to split the vote in the primary and allow O'Rourke to, to beat Abbott in, in the primary. 
So we got grown-ups that don't understand basic doggone civics, okay? Right. So if there's anything that I want you to do is go out there and, and, and look at your local ordinances. Look at how you can take, you know, in fact, look at what you can do with school board members. Look at what you can do for county commissioners and start putting the pressure on people. Because as Tip O'Neill said, all politics are, is local. And, and this is where so much needs to happen. But if there's anything that I can say as we get ready to wrap it up, we got to be better educated, informed, and activated. Because too often we get mad or whatever, and we run out there, and we got nothing in between our ears. So, you know, what Debbie is doing here is a great vehicle, but every single one of you, you need to have that list of 10 to 20, maybe 25 people. And you need to start, instead of having Oprah Winfrey book clubs, because Oprah Winfrey ain't going to help you save America, okay? You need to have policy, constitutional gatherings in your home. You need to talk about these issues. Why? Because that's how this country got started. This country got started because people were meeting in their homes. They were meeting at taverns, you know, drinking a little beer, talking about liberty and freedom. And they decided, we don't want to live like this anymore. And they stood up against the greatest power that the world knew at that time. So all is not lost. We just have to understand the power that we have in ourselves and come together like this, because you're stronger this way. You're not so much strong that way. On that note, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, as oh, always, so pleasure. great to have you. Thank you so much Thank for you, joining Jamie. me today. Thank, Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. And, and the last thing I will say, do not go out and say happy Memorial Day. There is nothing happy about Memorial Day. What you should go out and say is honor Memorial Day. And remember this as the day that people made the last full measure of devotion. Men and women that you and I know very well, having served in Vietnam, having served in the Air Force, we've got to never allow their service and sacrifice to be in vain. And I want you to do two things. Read the Gettysburg Address to your children and grandchildren this weekend and take them to DFW National Cemetery. Before you take them to a barbecue, before you take them to a swimming pool, you take them to DFW National Cemetery and let them see what real heroes look like. Amen to that. My very fine friends, in closing up for American We Talk today, first of all, thank you for tuning in so very much. Uh, next Thursday, we're going to have in studio uh, the person I consider the most serious and conservative senator in the Texas State Senate, Senator Bob Hall, is going to give us a download or upload, whichever way you look at it, of what happened, what got through, what didn't get through, and also what, what was behind the battles, you know, what caused people to say, I can't back that, I will back that, because never believe when they tell you, well, we wanted to get it done, but you know, the rules gotten in the way, the committees got in the way. The legislature everywhere gets done exactly what they decide to get done. That's just life. They, so there are rules in place that are used to allow them to hide behind. But he's uh, a wonderful, uh, Senator Bob Ho, a wonderful conservative senator. Uh, he's on top of all the issues in Texas legislature. And if you're listening, you're thinking, well, I'm not in Texas. I don't care. Actually, what the battles we have in Texas, the issues, they're the same battles in the, in the state houses around this country. So I hope you'll tune in next Thursday to America Can We Talk. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. This show is America Can We Talk. You can listen to every interview, past show, read our blog posts, everything else at our website, americacanwetalk.org. I urge you to go to the website, check everything out, and please tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you